Welcome to the second episode of VSML 2019 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me once more all the way from Japan is the Canadian who is a self-appointed maths genius, Logan Saunders. <laughs> Good morning. Kurichiwa, you're still in Japan. Yes, I am right now in Ugawara, which is about an hour outside of Kamakura and also an hour in another direction outside of Tokyo. Are you going to be in Japan next week or are you Yes, next, next week, week? Will, next week will be the final podcast I record from Japan. Today is what day 23. I have 35 days total. So yeah, next one would be the last one from Japan and the one after that, hoping the Wi-Fi signal is strong enough would be from the Philippines. All the way from the Philippines. Yes. And then shortly after that is Australia, I believe. Yes. Who knows? We could record a podcast from uh, Michelle's house. Well, we were discussing, I know you've not heard the Hunter podcast yet, but we were discussing what she should do with you while you're, uh, while you're in Sydney. Ah, yeah, because I've got four, four nights altogether in, in uh, Sydney. I did try and, uh, and wrangle you an invite to a party she's going to. Oh, really? Yeah, it's her friend's 50th while, uh, while you're there. Oh, is it like her friend's 50th? Is it like Michelle's version of being 50? Or is it a person who actually looks like they're 50? I have no idea, but I did try and uh, get you an invite. <laughs> because I'm, awesome. I'm a good friend like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I must say, welcome to the podcast that got last week completely wrong, because we both put Evie as one of our number one suspects. Yes. However, right before execution, like, I don't think it's Evie anymore. And then, of course, she gets executed. So it's like, yay, I kind of decided it wasn't her in contrast to last week. But boy, oh boy, does that throw a wrench into a lot of people's suspects, suspect lists, especially for the contestants themselves, because it sounded like a lot of people were thinking along the same ways as the uh, as a good majority of the Internet. I will say that I'm feeling quite smug that she went because I was torn between her and Niels and I didn't put her as number one. Yes. That's a, that, that's a good... Uh, yeah, it's, it's never good when your number one suspect is executed uh, first. No, it's happened to me before, so I pity you, but yeah, she was my number two, so thankfully I was not right, but also not wrong yet. There's still time for me to be wrong, which is nice. It's very early. There's still, I mean, even though it's only the second episode, we still had ten suspects in the mix. It's kind of crazy to think that the second season of the U.S. version started out with 14 contestants. Could you imagine trying to pick out the suspect with uh, within a 40-minute episode, try to figure out that it's Bill by the end of episode two amongst 14 people? Have you read his book, by the way? I read it a couple of years ago. No. Was What was the most interesting thing about the book? There was a lot of like behind the scenes stuff of how he actually did did the sabotages that they didn't talk about on TV, which was actually quite interesting. Oh, oh, oh there's additional sabotages. Yeah, well, there was stuff like how, like the additional details he was given for certain games and stuff to be able to sabotage it that they didn't draw attention to on the screen and stuff. But it was like, uh, but it was uh, additional tasks or just within the challenges that he was already that they already said that he uh, sabotaged. A little bit of both. Oh, okay. It was interesting for uh, for a mole fan to read. You you'd recommend it? Yeah, it was it was well worth the like three pound I paid for it on Amazon Kindle. <laughs> oh, it's it's that cheap, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How old would Bill be now? 
Because that was filmed like 15 years ago, and he's already retired then. Would he be pushing close to 80 then? He's sort of mid to late 70s, I think. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, because he was around like 60 or 62-ish when uh, the second season filmed. Yeah, so yeah, it's about about the right age range, we reckon, doesn't it? That's a whole new thing for to have some elderly people who are on these reality shows. Like Rudy from Survivor, first season of Survivor, he's in his early 90s now. And then you've got people like Bill, who was the, the mole, and now he's close to 80. Like, that's kind of crazy to be like, oh, what did you do in your heyday? Oh, I was the mole. <laughs> you can't, I can't be trusted. <laughs> you know, there's people who always suggest a, an all old people version of Amazing Race. Maybe we should have an all old people version of uh, of the mole. Old mole? It'd be like Annalise, um, Bill, uh, Myra. <laughs> We've gone from suggesting old an old mole all-star season last week to suggesting literally old moles this week. <laughs> it's our running theme. <laughs> What type? Well, I don't even know another uh, context in which the word "old" could be used to describe people. Well, you have one week to work it out. <laughs> That's your challenge this week. Old, old moles. <laughs> anyway, previously, nine contestants travelled to Colombia, where they were faced with a dance task featuring Colombian Frankie Grande. Couldn't tell them apart. <laughs> Everyone looked so. So alike, they just all look yeah. the same. <laughs> no distinguishing features. And on any other show, that would be racist. <laughs> in the first challenge at a bridge, everyone could potentially win an exemption, but when the crates were up, only four people were potentially saved. Rick offered them a choice to swap the safety for €2,500, but after a couple of informal votes, they decided to politely decline. At the execution, four of the ladies were safe, but one of them should have got the red screen, meaning that everyone continued on to episode two. And we have a good feeling about who that person would have been. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be interesting in Amsterdam on the 9th of March when I'm there to find out who actually should have got the red screen and whether it was Evie. Spoilers. That, that, would, that would be humiliating. Like, there's ten people and you get the red screen back to back. Whether she actually did a Bertrand. At least Bertrand, there's only, like, what, seven people left when he when he messed up? Evie had ten. She just had to beat one person on any of the two quizzes. And also, interesting thing, Rick has now said the phrase, Eye of the Needle, twice. He said it at the end, in the execution at the end of last episode, and he said it at the start of this episode. Is that gonna be a hint? What would that apply to? I don't know. Like, is anyone a professional sewer? Because if so, then I think we should all be focusing on uh, Evelyn. Unless Niels had a, has a song called Camel or something. Oh, maybe instead of like Eye of the Tiger, it's Eye of the Needle. That's one of the covers he does. And the team moved to Medellin, which is where the final location hint from the preseason was, which is Commune 23. When they were drip feeding where the location was going to be, the last hint did spell out Commune 23. Mm. And the episode title is Dutch, and it's the Dutch for the word calculated. <laughs> I'm heavily going to try and pronounce it this week. My Dutch went badly last week. Go ahead. No, because I, I didn't even bother Google translating how I'm supposed to pronounce it this time. <laughs> like <laughs> okay. I did last week. Okay, but for the third of flavoring, 
you better give it a shot. Well, hopefully for the third half flavoring, I will be actually watching it before the day that we record, because the Hunted edit yesterday slightly overran, so I mm. had to move this to this afternoon. And Jamie is very happy that everyone else is happy, regardless of whether they actually won money or not. <laughs> yeah. What a chipper fellow. I don't care about money, I care about everyone else's happiness. And so there are more women here for me to chat up. Yeah. <laughs> he's gotta he's gotta get into the kitty somehow. <laughs> and I ain't talking about the pot. No. <laughs> and in the first challenge of the episode, there is a grid on the floor of an abandoned warehouse. Eight of the team must drag a square so that the hidden numbers are revealed to the other two who are on a scaffold with a digital camera. The numbers that they have to find are answers to the questions that they answered on their biographies. Each correct answer is worth 150 euros for a total of 1,200, and they have 20 minutes. Not much time. No, and this is a really difficult challenge because I struggle to follow the questions when they were translated. Like the sense of humour one, I have no idea what that was meant to get at. What's that? The sense of humour question that they skipped, I think it was the fourth one they did, it was like, if you take all the men's sense of humour less than the women's sense of humour, it's like, what? Oh. Huh? I have no idea what you're getting at. Sense of humour can be quantified? Apparently so. (laughs) Only the Dutch. (laughs) And I found it interesting that Niels was basically the girl between between the scaffold and the questioners. Yeah, he's like, he has to run back and forth. Guys, guys, how many swimming degrees diplomas do you have? Runs back. Are you guys sure? Are you guys sure? Runs back. Are you really, really sure? (laughs) And the rule that I mention on the Belgian Mole podcast is, where would the mole put themselves? Amongst the group of eight. Yeah, the mole would definitely put themselves amongst the group of eight, but I would say the mole maybe would put themselves as a go-between as well, because not everyone can keep an eye on you then. Right, like you could mess up the communication of uh, inform- the flow of information you could interrupt. Exactly. I mean, Niels was very good at interrupting the flow of information this episode because he did it in the Laser Labyrinth game as well. So, not that I'm directing you towards Niels because, you know, he is my suspect, but I was watching him quite closely this week. Not my suspect. I like how Nikki and Rick Paul took the most unnecessary selfie while on top of the platform. I love Nikki and Rick Paul generally together. <laughs> I just want them to be together in every task. How is that how is that the number? How can you see the numbers, Rick? Like I know we sung Nikki's praises last week saying that she's one of those characters who improves everyone around her, but she definitely does in this case. Rick Paul was way more fun when he was around Nikki in this episode. Yeah. I like how I think I figured out the comparison for Rick Paul. He's a combination of Tyler Fredrickson from Survivor Worlds Apart and Tyler Oakley from Amazing Race. We don't say that name on this podcast. Okay, that that Tyler Fredrickson and him. <laughs> he he shall not be named. <laughs> and Robert is a potential saboteur in this challenge as well because he does question one of one of the answers, just to make sure and, you know, waste a bit more time. Yeah. I noticed that uh, Robert was really questioning a lot of their answers. Like, he was really making them second-guess themselves, redo the math, and then 
Sarah. Sarah's math sucks. Did you notice that she was incorrectly adding up the numbers and dividing them? Like, her and Robert were by far the two most suspicious people in this task. I love that everyone else seems to have suspected Sarah last week, and she was, like, nowhere on my suspect list. And yet we saw nothing cover this episode. At all. She sabotaged a lot. I know we finally got some confessionals from her this time, but she didn't do anything. In terms of, like, airtime, yeah, she didn't have the most, but, like, she screwed up the math with throwing out the fake numbers and just not knowing how to do any sort of math. And then in the uh, laser challenge, she just started running. And then, of course, she's going to trip up a laser doing that. And then her one good deed is that she did earn 250 euros for the pot, but I think she did more damage. Her damage from the first two tasks outweighed the 250 euros earned at the very end. See, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The mole's role is not necessarily to take all the money out of the pot. It's to get as little money in the pot as possible. Mm-hmm. And she certainly did that this week. So I'm keeping a very close eye on her. It's not necessarily a good idea to see who doesn't put money in the pot, but who puts as little as is physically possible in the pot. And especially when it's a challenge like the Laser Labyrinth one, where everyone is unattended. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very easy to be like, well, you don't even know how they screwed up. Like, all, all they have is the walkie-talkie, right? So they could say, oh, I lost my balance. Um, the platforms are too unsteady. Uh, the lasers moved faster than I anticipated, and everyone just has to take your word for it. So if there's any task that, if I was the mole, I would definitely be sabotaging, it'd be the lasers, because no one could see me. And so many and other people were screwing up too. And I have an interesting theory on how the mole may have sabotaged on that one as well. But we'll get there when we get to the second challenge. Oh, to talk into the walkie-talkie as much as possible? No, well, that's part of it, but I think they may have done something a little bit more subtle than that. Okay. And I can't believe the bios asked for how many swimming diplomas each contestant has. I couldn't tell you the answer for that, for me. Genuinely. I know mine is zero. I taught myself how to swim well, but I'm like, they actually ask you for documentation of how many swimming diplomas you have. Did you graduate from tadpole into frog or uh, dolphin? Like, who, who, who keeps track of that? We do find out a very important piece of information with that swimming certificate question, though, and that is that Evie is Belgian. Yeah, because Belgian swimming diplomas aren't the same as Dutch swimming diplomas. They're not equivalent, so if you go to a different swimming school, you may have to retake some first-year swimming classes to uh, get back up to Dutch standards. Which means there is a very real chance that we could see Evie on uh, Belgian Mole this year as well. And she gets first executed from that, too. (laughs) Because of a stupid cliffhanger. <laughs> Who wants to get sprayed with paint? <laughs> oh, I, I, I desperately want them to bring that cliffhanger back. It was my, it's one of my favourite TV moments ever. It's just so <laughs> funny. Just Ruth's look of... Oh, shit. <laughs> and, as I said, they do skip a question about a sense of humour, which is a confusing one. Oh, I know which one, how Robert really sabotaged it, was when they were doing the languages question, he was asking everyone, which languages do you speak? How is that relevant? Just throw out a goddamn number and get on with it. That would take so much time, especially for Dutch people. 
Yeah, it was to try and work out how many unique languages they speak, though. Oh, unique. Okay, I thought it was like I thought it was a total number, like you have three plus four plus two plus five. No, so it, it would have been, I'm assuming English, Dutch, French, German, probably Spanish. We know Sinan speaks Arabic, and whatever the last one was, I don't know. Probably um, Flemish. Uh, Flemish, yes. Somebody should have said this should have thrown out a really random language like. Oh, I speak I speak Valkyrie or uh, or Javanese. <laughs> They're like, and then that just that just brings up so many questions. How do you know Javanese? How many Dutch people would know how to speak that? They're like, oh, I spent a sem- semester in Indonesia learning Javanese. <laughs> and we also find out that Nikki lives up to every Dutch stereotype ever, given that her feet are EU size forty three which is size 9 in the UK or 10 in North America, and also that she's like 6'4". She's the t- same height as you? Yeah, she's like a similar height to me. Same same feet, same uh, foot size? No, I'm size 12. But oh, okay. Yeah. She would, like, match eye lines with me. It's weird. Mm-hmm. I'm not used to that. She could intimidate you, Michael. She does intimidate me already. I've not met her yet. She does have more followers than us. And we also find out that uh, Jamie spoons with a pillow every night. That's pretty much... that's That makes so much sense when we've seen the content of him so far, of him trying to hit on all of the women in this cast. It's like, at, at home, all he has is a pillow. Maybe if he wins all the money from uh, the mall this season... Uh, maybe he can use those funds very wisely and the pillow is going to have to sleep on the couch from now on. Do you think that Mariko is using the word spoons as opposed to the correct term, which was humps? Because the phrase, Jamie humps a pillow every night, maybe is probably more appropriate given what we suspect of him. Well, he would tell people that he's spoons, but we we really know what he's doing. We know what spoons mean. It's a long night. (laughs) (laughs) And another wonderful moment from this challenge is, of course, Meryl just swearing and running. Nothing else. Her only screen time for this whole week, it seems like. Yeah, she just screams. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, add the number of unique languages you speak uh, to the number of people in this cast who have Tourette's. <laughs> and that would be 17. <laughs> yes. Especially, I guess I forgot about Nikki. And then, uh, and Jamie's pillow. And thanks to them running between questions towards the end, they do run out of time. And when Rick checks the photos, only two of them are correct, despite four of them being beautifully shot. So they earn 300 euros out of a possible 1,200. Who is the one that suggested that they go to the last question instead of answering the previous one with only like a minute left? Was it, wasn't it? it Robert who wanted to switch? I think so, and then Niels got slightly annoyed about swapping. And I don't think people caught on that Robert was the one who wanted to switch. Because that's a pretty big... That's a 150 euro sabotage right there. Potentially. Because both of the last two questions were a bit hard. I'm not yeah. sure they would have got either, personally, but... 
There was still like a full minute left, though, to try and work it out quick between eight people. And we actually hear from Sarah this week, and she's looking at it positively, because 300 euros is better than nothing. With this cast, I think 300 euros is probably is probably going to be considered a victory each week. Given that uh, this time last year they were looking at still about minus 2,000 euros, maybe another 300 is not too bad. Right, I forgot that they had an awful, awful start last season. Although, I will say, Sarah was very distracting when she was in confessional because she seems to have stolen Niels' glasses. They yeah, where did exactly, the glasses come from? They have exactly the same glasses, and it's really distracting. <laughs> and at dinner, Sinan says that the group wasn't organised, and despite everyone suspecting that he's just taking the piss, they agree to let Wreck-It Sinan run the next challenge. And boy, is, will that go well. This is, this is brilliant. This is just Sealand's first confessional of the season. I'm going to cause so much chaos. I'm going to wreck everyone. This is going to, everyone's just going to be miserable and at each other's throats the whole time. So after a task where there's lots of chaos, Sealand steps in saying, guys, I'm annoyed. I'm going to wreck it for all of you by making us being very orderly and organized and being able to work together as a team. That is how I'm going to sabotage all of our efforts from now on. You little bitches. <laughs> yeah, you little bitches. <laughs> I'm going to make it miserable. <laughs> we're going to be in such rough shape now that we're going to communicate so well and effectively. What we need is someone to be able to do a Russell Hans impression just to do all of Sinan's quotes. <laughs> so the second challenge is one of the favourites of Vidim every year, a laser labyrinth. So hidden mm-hmm. in the labyrinth are 20 cash piles, two for each person, and they each have 10 minutes to traverse the labyrinth, find the cash, and return with it. If they break a laser or touch the floor, they lose their cash, and their turn ends. And there is a maximum of 3,500 euros hidden in this maze. And this was the only thing that Evie wanted to do out of the entire mole experience, because apparently she hates everything else about the mole. <laughs> no word of a lie, every single time a laser game comes up, everyone loses their shit, because it is the one that everyone looks forward to. Because <laughs> they're, yes. they're always absolutely insane challenges. Jamie's pillow knows the day each year that the laser challenge airs on the mole. Well, my personal favourite was... Um, a couple of years ago, they did a haunted um, haunted amusement park for the laser game. So it was an abandoned amusement park. They had to ride the rides. And they were getting targeted by hunters, basically. Because they were running around playing laser tag. It was, looked awesome. They were hunted by hunters? Yeah, Black was just down there shooting them. <laughs> and Sherlock was there in his bongo and things. I see. And Sinan goes first, and he does find some money, but trips the lasers and earns absolutely nothing. And he also describes absolutely nothing, meaning that everyone else is just shouting at him on the uh, walkie-talkie. I don't think he was really into the challenge. I think nine people wanted to do the lasers, and then Sinan was like, eh. Sinan was like, I'm going to fuck it up for everyone else. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to make everyone miserable by only losing about 100 euros for this challenge. A challenge where the amount of balance was way exceeds my ability, so there's no chance I was going to succeed anyway. 
And after we discussed it last week, I was looking at the notes, and the 25 euros that Sinan did pick up looks awfully like art was on them. Art? Yeah. The host? Yeah. The previous host? The previous host. It really looked like him. I couldn't work out who it was if it wasn't art, but it really looked like him. Hmm. Maybe he's just that famous in Holland now that he actually gets to have his face on uh, money. Perhaps. He's replaced King Villain. <laughs> and Meryl is the second person up, and she gets both sets and gets 250 euros. Nothing else to report. And that's it from her. her. Yep. <laughs> Niels is third, and he trips the wires within about 90 seconds and is really disappointed. But he says my favourite quote of the episode, which is, A good start is half of the work. That's what Jamie's pillow says too. Oh no. <laughs> See, here's the thing. Because you know that Niels is my number one, I'm going to explain how I think he sabotaged his challenge. I think that what we didn't see there was that he did find cash piles from other people and hid them. You mean like threw them on the... Like the one that was on the ground? Yeah, I mean like put some of them in his pockets, maybe take a hundred euros out of certain piles, just sabotage it a little bit, then accidentally trip a laser after oh, 90 seconds. Oh, because you mean like when Rick Paul comes back with just 50 euros with his bundle, everyone's like, why was it only 50 euros? Exactly. And I mean, we had no inkling that the piles were equal for everyone, and I'm interested to see what the theory was if they weren't equal for everyone. But... I think the mole probably went quite early on, and then took some of the money, pocketed it, and probably did a confessional that we'll see in the finale going, look at all this money you could have won. Hmm. Who would demand it to go... Uh, I guess Seenan was first to go, but maybe he... Uh, uh... Niels was pushing quite hard to be early on. Niels was? Sarah was before Rick Paul, where he only got the 50 euros, so I feel like And, oh, you know who we didn't see any footage of during their run? Evelyn and Jamie. We only saw half a second of each. Yeah, I suspect the mole probably sabotaged that way rather than, you know, doing anything with the walkie-talkies. Although, when Sinan was on his, Niels was the driving force on distracting him, basically. Right. I am so far down this, this tunnel busy hole now. You did that last year, too. I know. You're bad for tunnel busy. But also, I did it last year with Jan, and I was right, until Bindles told me I was wrong. And I did it last year with Peter, until you told me I was wrong. But then I changed my mind back to Peter. I know you did, eventually. <laughs> But I did say in episode two of Bells and Mall, I'm starting to suspect Peter slightly, because, you know, all the Catholic imagery, and you went, oh no, that's just Mexico, very Catholic country, and I'm like... I It is it. very Catholic. It is, but also I knew it. <laughs> Not that I'm blaming you and David at all, but I totally am. Yeah, have some self-confidence, Michael. No, I'm blaming you guys entirely because <laughs> you told me I was wrong. With my track record, though, you should probably listen to... Uh, I should be listened to, I guess, when it comes to figuring out who the mole is. I know, but I listened to you last year and you steered me in the wrong direction. Well, I was still trying to work it all out and then I make my way around uh, before the end. Didn't you only go on to Peter in like week eight? When it was down to four, yeah, I think I switched to Peter. <laughs> then he became my number one. 
Peter was my number one before that. It's not about it's uh, it's not about how you start, Michael. It's about how you finish. Thank you, Jamie. <laughs> and Nikki is fourth up, and she is, of course, as delightful as ever. And she drops her second cash pile, but manages to grab it from the floor. However, she does fall off a beam right near the end and wins nothing. And Sarah gets completely confused by the challenge when she goes from fifth, and she grabs her name tag and then just falls. There was one, yeah, and then she just starts sprinting. <laughs> well, she doesn't even grab the money. She grabs her name tag and then just falls off. <laughs> and Jamie falls, and then Evelyn hits a wire. Rick Paul goes back after finding one pile worth a massive 50 euros. And then Robert is next, and he's taking his time on this one. Who knew that Robert could balance? And he comes back with 125 euros, and then Evie is last up and says she has something to prove, and she does yoga and pilates. And pronounces his show title wrong. Maybe she's saying in Flemish. Well, she says uh, we istemol rather than vistemol. Hmm. She returns with 225 euros, giving us a total of 650 out of a possible 3,500. Not bad. Not bad. Could be a lot better, though. Could be a lot better. I liked Nikki trying to go through the laser maze where she's trying to figure out, like, which way should my body bend? And then she's like, okay, if I get this, I'm going to trade in uh, 50 euros for a cupcake. And then she fell. And on day four, they have the final assignment of the episode where Rick talks about bonches being tested. And it takes place at the university. Rick talks about the iconic mole phrase, which we actually named one of the Belgian mole episodes after Kenneth is macked. Knowledge is power. And they are split into four groups and get to watch private interviews that each other gave. And Sarah gets uh, airtime uh, this round before the challenge by twerking in front of everybody. So if you're low on airtime, just start twerking and you'll get like an extra two seconds. And at regular intervals, they will be offered a reward if they leave the room and stop watching the clips. These range from 50 euros to 250 euros, or a yoga each. And they can watch each other's rooms, and are unaware that their offers are different depending on which room they are in. And there is a maximum of 2,500 euros on offer for this challenge. The groups are Rick, Paul, Evie and Niels, Evelyn, Robert and Sinan, Marilyn, Nikki and Jamie and Sarah. And we learn some interesting things off these people. Like the fact that Wreck-It Sinan actually would take money over a yoker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm going to sabotage everybody by building up a big prize for them to win at the end of the game. They're going to have to pay so much taxes on it. <laughs> and Niels leaves when he's offered 250 euros, as do Jamie and Sarah. Meryl leaves for a joker, as do Robert, Sinan and Evelyn. And anyone left in the rooms after five rounds costs the pot 250 euros each. This was a clever challenge, the fact that they had cameras uh, for all the groups to see each other, but they're all getting different offers at different times. So to see the mind games being played of like, why are you leaving the room? Uh, that was really fun to see. And that nobody caught on. It was, but also if you've ever seen them all before you can kind of anticipate that maybe you're not going to get the same offers if you've got cameras in each other's rooms. The whole point of it is to sow Discord, basically. I guess you just trust producers enough that they're not going to trick you. in the Because they, then really, they hadn't really tried to fool them yet, and that was like the first, like, haha, we got you moment of the season. But at the end of the theme, it says, trust nobody. 
Not even producers. Yeah. <laughs> like, even if you get a red screen, maybe they just rigged it and they didn't like Evie for whatever reason. Maybe she actually got the highest score. Can't trust it. And the good news is that they did earn 750 euros for this challenge. The bad news is that they lost 1,000 euros by everyone still being left in the room. For a net score of minus 250 euros out of a possible 2.5 grand. And a total score for the season so far of 2 grand from a possible 12.5. And And that's still 4,000 higher than where they were at uh, last season. And Rick explains the season twist, which is that yokers can be broken and could contain nothing or an exemption. And who falls for the trap? <laughs> well, when he's called wreck it Cenan, obviously he wants to wreck something. I'm going to wreck it. So obviously he wrecks his Joker and gets nothing for it. I'm going to give myself an advantage and I'm going to open this thing up and be on equal footing as everyone else. See, what they should have done is at the um, at the test and execution, opened Robert's Yoka to see whether he should have gambled after he played it. That's what I would have done. Oh, that would have been a great reveal. Say, oh, there was a Yoka blade here. Let's chisel it open. Mm-hmm. Turns out to be a black exemption. Well, I suspect there is going to be a black exemption hidden in one of those Yokas. Because they were really talking it up during the camera challenge. They were, and it's wonderful when it uh, when it goes completely wrong for them. Because they've had it in the past where they've hidden the Black Exemption in two different challenges in the same season, and nobody's gone for it. It's hilarious when this sort of stuff buggers up for production for me. It's like with the non-eliminations last year. Non-eliminations last year, they tried three times, I think it was, to do a non-elimination, and everyone just went, no, we want cash. Until yeah, they finally was... gave in. Who was the... First contestant out? Ron. Ron, yes, because then he showed up at the theatre, and they're like, nah, we don't want him. And then... And then, what was the second attempt at a non-elim? Um, there was one a couple of episodes later where they had the choice between money or an exemption, and they all chose money again. And then finally they did the group exemption one. That was with the tiles being flipped over? Yeah, it was it was the zip line was the failed one because they went for the money instead of the group exemption, and then finally they went for the the tile game that they blatantly rigged. Yeah, so only Simone had to see her screen. And it is now time for the test. Twenty questions on the identity and the actions of the mole. Whoever knows least goes home and actually does this time. And in a minor correction from last week, I will say that David Bindley did point out Rick's speech is subtly different to Art's. It's not as big a difference as between Peter Yan and uh, Art, but it is slightly different. He doesn't use the word Dunenlada, for example, meaning actions. Mm. So One it's, word. It's a little bit different. It, the, there's about three or four words different, but it's not massively different compared to how we have seen it in the past. And before the quiz, though, we find out that Scully and Hitchcock have an alliance. Cena and Robert have paired up. Yeah. Shocker, Scully and Hitchcock have an alliance. It's like seeing Hitler and uh, Mussolini team up for an alliance. Like, man, there's been so much damage done. And let's see, did did Meryl end up breaking open her yoker? Nope. CNN was the only one who opened his yoker. And then Robert used his? And let's see, Sarah was very animated before the quiz... And then, oh yeah, Scully and Hitchcock blame Evelyn for why they didn't uh, get money for the pot. 
So they just they just threw the old lady in front of the bus. Yeah, they they're just trying to divert blame from their own nefarious deeds. <laughs> the most sinister characters Vidim has ever seen in Wreck It Seenan and Robert. <laughs> so now our suspicions. So Rick Paul suspects Sinan and Evelyn. Sinan suspects Rick Paul. Neil suspects Evie and Rick Paul, despite their bond. Evelyn suspects Evie and Nikki. Nikki suspects Evie. Meryl suspects Nikki and Evelyn. Evie suspects Evelyn, Rick Paul, Nikki and Sinan. Robert suspects Evie, Jamie and Sinan and Flatage Yoka. Sarah suspects four different people but still actually hasn't told us anything in the past two weeks. And Jamie suspects Evie and Evelyn and Rick Paul and Sinan. Going into the quiz, I wrote before the execution, I like to write down my suspects. So my top four going into the execution were Robert and Sarah as a, as a top two. And then, like, the secondary choices are Evelyn and Jamie. And then I've ruled out Sinan and Nikki. So I only really have one suspect, which is Neil's now. He's my ride or die. You've got... You, this, that's like the worst mole strategy in the first execution. You're Evie. You are Evie. That red screen's coming up so hard right now. What if she suspected Neil's? You would have been executed twice before Evie. But assuming that she's telling the truth about her suspicions, you can pretty much rule out Evelyn, Rick Paul, Nikki, and Sinan. Straight up. Because we know that there was a tie for last place, so we can kind of assume that she got minimal scores, if not zero. So you can pretty much Mm -hmm. rule those four out. That's five people we've ruled out already. And who are they again? Evelyn, uh, Rick Paul, Nikki, and Sinan. And then Evie, obviously. Yeah, those people aren't really high on my suspect list at all. And that would then mean that you can assume that the other people who got who got low scores were Rick Paul, Sinan, Niels, who suspected both Evie and Rick Paul, Evelyn, who got Evie and Nikki, Nikki, who got Evie, Nikki and Evelyn and Meryl, and then who else? Robert's played on Jamie, so we don't know the status of Jamie. We don't know who Sarah was suspecting. So Jamie potentially is right with Rick Paul. So the only people who we know for a fact probably didn't get low scores necessarily are Robert and Jamie and maybe Sarah. Which means that basically those people aren't the mole either. And has the three-way tie for last happened before on a quiz? Not that I can remember, I'm sure Bindles will tell me that I'm wrong, but not that I can remember for a while. Because you got to think, the mole doesn't really have that many contestants. Everyone's going to suspect somebody slightly different until, like, the end of the game, or last year where, what, three or the last four contestants all suspected uh, Peter in a Belgian mole. Um, but yeah, to see an actual three-way tie when it's just within a group of nine real contestants is, uh, and it's a 20 question quiz. That's the thing we have to keep in mind too. Like with the American version of the mole, they only do 10, they only did uh, 10 question quizzes except for the first season for a little bit, but mainly, yeah, mainly it's just 10 questions here. It's 20 questions, nine real players. And somehow we had a three way tie for last place. And the mole does play it completely straight in terms of the fact that they put all the questions on themselves. Mm hmm. So, assuming my logic is correct there, in that we know who Evie suspected, assuming that she got zero, we can pretty much rule out 
or we can pretty much work out who got low scores from who else people said that they suspected. That leaves us with two potential suspects, which is Niels and Merrill. I have nothing really to say about Merrill so far. So, yeah. There was a three-way tie, meaning it came down to time, and Robert gets a green screen before Evie is the first person to leave. At which point you can hear Logan Saunders heartbreaking from Japan. His number one suspect has gone crashing and burning. Luckily, she wasn't my number one suspect before this execution. Just the number one suspect um, at the end of the first episode. Yeah, then before this execution, I didn't even have her in my top four. But I was shocked to see her go first. I was really surprised. And I was, well, everyone on the episode was quite surprised, seemingly, because half of them suspected her. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is fun. Always nice to chuck a a bomb in the... uh, in the execution for the first round. It's a shame for Evie, because if she did any sort of spread on her quiz, then she probably makes a really, really deep run with everyone thinking it's her. Yeah, because as long as you can get other people to suspect you, you have more time to work out who you actually should be suspecting. I mean, when half the internet is already suspecting you before an episode even airs, that's a lot of suspicion that you can just naturally have uh, uh, surrounding you the whole time. That's a big shield to have, and she just threw it away and didn't give a damn about it. I liked her Where's Waldo shirt during the laser maze, though. Logan Saunders, sartorial correspondent. <laughs> where's, where's Waldo is very fitting for her, because for the next eight episodes, it's going to be Where's Evie. <laughs> so, next time, they have to colour a neighbourhood. There's competitive Jenga, going back to another Mole Classic challenge. There's Tetris pieces, another Yoka is opened, and Rick disappears before the execution. They have to play bocce ball at the execution. So Vidim went through a run years ago of doing, for the Final Four exemption, to get to the finals, playing children's games for high stakes. So we had Go Fish was the classic one. There's like snap and stuff i mean you saw australian mole six they did the same idea there's a few like card games and stuff that they love playing for for high stakes basically so it looks like there's a return to that idea in competitive jenga for yokers probably for a black exemption too they usually tease the black exemption if it's going to appear Mm. whereas all we saw was the yokers being distributed I guess all the exemptions and black exemptions would just be hidden within uh, Yokers this year. I think so, yeah. And of note, if Rick disappearing means that there's a potential non-elimination next week, that does guarantee we have a final four in the finale, which they haven't done for five years, I want to say. They went through a run of having four people left in in the finale, meaning that there's actually two tests in the final episode. Oh, so they do they do a, like a, kind of like a Mason Race did for two seasons where there's like a midpoint elimination and then the final quiz after that? Yeah, so they do, they used to do a challenge and then the penultimate test and then two more challenges or whatever and then the final test. Oh, okay. So they did, they, but they've never done like an outright final four no, they've all done that at be- the end of the game? They have done that before, but obviously it's slightly less fun if you don't have a winner or loser in them all. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's an elimination game, right? Like, you know, the reason why you have a final three is because you're just down to the two contestants uh, fighting it out. 
it feel it's kind of like having a final three in Survivor, where it's like um, you still have one more round of play, guys. You just you don't just end the game here. And there's only one clue that anyone has spotted, and why is it an interesting clue if it's true? So shockingly, it points to Niels again. But mm. when you look at the the question of who is the mole in the in the test screen, the first five names are Evelyn, Evie, Jamie, Merrill, and Niels. If you look at the last letters of each of those names, it spells out Niels. Huh. If that's deliberate, that's interesting. Watch him be executed next week. If he gets executed next week, I will eat so much humble pie, but... (laughs) It appears that I'm not the only one on the internet suspecting Niels. Because people on the Vidum subreddit, which I got that from this afternoon, are definitely on to him. I didn't even know there was a Vidum subreddit. Yep. It's all in Dutch, and I just saw a picture when I was pretending to work earlier. Hmm. I should, we should make appearances in there. Maybe that's your project for this week. Yeah. So, final question of the episode. Who do you think is going next week? Who is going to be executed? I want it to be CNN, but I think... who's It's got to be one of the people that we haven't really heard too much from. Maybe, maybe one of my one maybe one of my suspects is going to get executed next week. Um, let's say uh, older lady is probably a good candidate, so I'm just going to say Evelyn. She hasn't had much too much hair time. Or Meryl. Where? Who? What the hell? What did I can't even think of a scene with Meryl this week? Yeah, my money would probably be on Meryl as number one, and maybe Sarah as number two because we've not seen much from either of them. Yeah, but she's a fun suspect to keep in there because of how much I suspect her right now. Very true, but I would love it to be a legacy of every week your suspect's going home. My number one just go the number one of the previous week goes home the next week. Right now, right now it's at Evie, and then next week, let's see if Robert. Yeah, Robert's my number. So if Robert goes next week, oh, that could be a delicious game to play. More delicious than any cupcake that Nikki craves. Or any pillow that uh, Jamie craves. It would be delicious for me to just come on this podcast every week and go, Logan, your number one suspect's gone again. (laughs) And then I get it right by final three. That would be hilarious if that final episode, my number one suspect ends up being them all. It's just my first seven number ones all had to be executed in a row. Given how smug I can get, this could be a hilariously fun game for us to play. <laughs> Who do you think's going home, uh, Michael? I think it's between Sarah and Meryl for next week because we've not seen much from them at all. Yeah, we've seen more of Sarah twerking than actual confessionals. Yeah, she had two confessionals this week and that was it. Which is kind of awkward. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think I'm done for this week. Absolutely. I think it's. Getting close for me to start my day. So, thank you very much for listening to this Sweden podcast. You can join us next week for more mole hunting. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Real TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, or on Twitter pages, MJ Armstrong for me, and Logos for Quacky for Logan. We will see you next week, and if you are following Hunted, you can listen to our recaps of that every Sunday. See you next week. Peace out, and just chill till the next of flavoring. Yeah.